Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. All right, but if you've got your spot there in Psalm 51, we checked in last week uh, with the psalmist David as he is here in a posture and a prayer of repentance and we're, we are going to be checking in with him here in this prayer and tracking the request that he is making to God for restoration. And last week we covered the general thesis that revival is incredible and a wonderful thing for sure for those of us that need it. And I've been in places where I need it, and I'm sure that you've been in places where you have needed it, but church, we shouldn't live in a constant state of needing revived. We, we should live in the fullness of the life of the Spirit that's available to us. Amen? So, so you know, we shouldn't vacillate between the hot and the cold. We need to find a place in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and live revived in the new life that Christ came, the abundant life, that Christ came and said that was ours in Christ Jesus. Now, this week, David's prayer is going to lead us to a powerful principle for living a revived life. And uh, if you're tracking along, we're going to jump in here just on the tail end of where we left off last week. And David has a couple of powerful acknowledgments here in this prayer, uh, as he, this penitent prayer. And First of all, was his acknowledgement of his own sin in the context of the moment. This is what predicated this whole prayer. This is what brought David to the throne of grace was that he had sinned, that sin had been called out in his life by the prophet Nathan, and he had gone to the Lord sorrowful and repentant of that sin and said, Lord, forgive me because I have sinned against you. And for any of us who've been in any kind of church or been exposed to any Christian principle for any length of time, we know there's a general understanding that confession of one's sins is a part of repentance and coming to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Amen? So if you're, if you're here today and you've prayed, believing, believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he was offered as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world and your trust is in him for your salvation, then, and we have made confession of the same with our mouths, then the word says that we are saved, right? But repentance to God is twofold. It's not just an apology. It's not just a divine apology where we say, God, I'm sorry. Moreover, it's not a space where we say, God, I'm sorry I got caught. Because sometimes that can be the case. We're more sorry that it was exposed in our lives than we were remorseful that it happened to begin with. And, and, but repentance is twofold. It's a turning to God in an acknowledgement of our transgression and it's asking for forgiveness of those sins, looking to him for cleansing and forgiveness of those sins. And it's also, it's not just a turning towards God, but it's a turning from the sin and the sinful lifestyle. Now this is where the rubber meets the road because it's, it's one thing to come to God and say, I'm sorry, 
and, and, and repentant over this thing and for an omnipotent, merciful God who at the very core of his being is a good God to us to forgive us and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. That's one thing. But then for us to turn away from sin and sinful living is another thing altogether. Because that calls for a life of submissiveness to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is also an act of renouncing the sinful life that we would no longer walk in those ways. And this, this is... This turning to God is exactly where we left last week. That was David turning to God and saying, God, I've got this situation in my life. I've got this sin that's resident here. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need your righteousness to be imputed to me because I can't fix this colossal mess that I've made. I've tried a couple of times and it progressively got worse with each attempt. So here he is now, and, and he says, For I acknowledge my transgressions. Verse 3 is where we left off last week. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. In other words, David is saying here, listen, I know that I've sinned. I realize that. I know my guilt in this matter must be confronted. But the second acknowledgement that David has here in this prayer is his acknowledgement of his frailty and his inability as it relates to the power to live a righteous life. Now let me, just, let me just hasten to the point here this morning. First of all, thank you for being here. Give yourselves a hand. You're beautiful. We love you. You did not do God a wild favor by getting out of bed and showing up here this morning. You're, you're not earning anything. You are not producing righteousness for yourself. You're, you're not going to pray enough to produce righteousness for yourself. You're not going to serve enough to produce righteousness for yourself. You're not going to read and study enough to produce righteousness for yourself. Your righteousness is in Christ and in Christ alone. And David acknowledges something here in this verse that is important for us if we're going to live a revived life. It is of utmost importance that we understand repentance. But to experience the kind of life that God has designed for you and I to live, we must also understand the principle of reliance. That I come to the altar... And I bow my heart in repentance and God forgives me and God heals and God cleanses me of the unrighteousness. But to walk from that point forward is not something that I can do in my flesh. It is something that I will have to live reliant upon the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, His guidance, His direction, His illumination of my thought and my heart, and godly wisdom will have to be imparted into my life if I'm going to walk in righteousness and live a revived life. We find that here in verse 5, as David says, I have sinned. But Lord, there's a deeper issue still. 
You know, we love to, especially one of the things that I, I've encountered many times over in Christian ministry is this, that in Christian circles, we love to deal in the periphery. We love to get out on the cusp of an issue and, and deal with the symptoms. And we're so caught up in the here and now of the symptom and, and what something produced in our lives that we never delve in and get to the root of the issue. But here in this verse, verse 5, David is going to get off the periphery here that yes, I have sinned, and he's going to come right to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is, David says, for I was born a sinner. And, and from the moment my mother conceived me, I've been a sinner. If, if you're reading King James or some other version, it says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. At the core of who I am is the fallen nature of the Adamic seed that has been passed down through generations of broken humanity. I am the recipient of it. You are the recipient of it. There's not a man or woman that has ever drawn breath that is not a recipient of the fallen nature that is inherent to humanity. The word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why? Because we're sinners. It's just who we are. It's our inherited nature. And David comes and he says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, David is acknowledging in this statement that it's not just the fact that he committed a sin that's a stumbling block in his life. He also acknowledged the root cause of his fall because he's sinful at the core of his being. This verse is a recognition that says, hey God, I'm broken. I'm broken, and the only time I've ever experienced wholeness is to the depth and degree that my trust and my reliance has not been on myself, but it's been in you. That's all. And David, with this portion of his prayer, is hedging against the propensities of his sinful nature to lead him again to the guilt and the shame of a life of sinful living. Are you with me? I think David must have understood something from the history of his own people that is as old as time itself. Dates all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We are awakened to the fact that we're broken and in a bad spot. We cry out to God, we trust God for deliverance. We thank God, we rejoice for him getting us out of our mess and we rejoice in what has been done for us. And admittedly, this next part, what comes next, never quite finds verbal expression from us. But through our thoughts and our actions, just the same, we inform God that we've got it from here. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. I've got it from here. I can take it. I can take it from this spot. I'll move forward. I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just be a model Christian. I'm just going to do everything that I should do. I'm going to fulfill the law myself. I, I will walk in perfection. Thank you, Lord, for, for setting me free. And, and we do that until we fall on our faces, living defeated and discouraged until we just can't take it anymore. And then we cry out and we trust God for deliverance and the cycle starts all over again just me no you know I thought about I thought about uh, I thought about this as I was uh, preparing this message you know it's kind of like 
It's kind of like teaching a young kid to ride a bike. How many of you remember teaching your kids how to ride a bike? And, you know, they, they know as long as they're inexperienced and unable, then, then they realize that the moment that you let them go, they're certain to fall. So they get on and they saddle up and you've taken the training wheels off and everything's ready to roll. And, and you, say, you say, come on, baby, let's go. Let's, come on, you can do it. You got this. And they're like, you got me? You got me? You sure you got me? You're not going to let me go, right? You, you, you're not going to let me go, right? Because if you let me go, I'm going to fall. We say, no, no, I got you, I got you, I got you. And you're, you're rolling along, you're rolling along, and, and you, you take a hand off the handlebar, and they, they keep on going. You still got that seat, and they're pedaling along. When you sense they've got their equilibrium settled, and they're, they're balanced on their good, you finally just slip a hand off, and you, you just you watch them go until they realize you're not holding on to them anymore, and then they instantaneously fall down in response. <laughs> and they're mad at you because you let them go. But you repeat that cycle a few times, then what? Then one day you walk out in the yard and you say, come on, baby, come on, let's, let's get ready, let's ride this bike, get back on here again. I, I know you failed yesterday, but I'm going to help you today. And I'm gonna, but, but something happens and they, de- they begin to develop a little bit of confidence. And once they've got confidence in their ability to ride the bike, They don't want your grimy hands anywhere on their bicycle. (laughs) Let me go. Don't touch my bike. I don't need help. I got this. I got this. I got this. And they do got this. Until they run headlong into their first pothole or graze a tree. And fall down on the ground with their little skin knees, crying crocodile tears, needing mama and daddy to come and scoop them up off the ground because they messed up and they've fallen again. And there's too many of us, I believe, in the life of Christianity that God sees all of the hazards that are waiting for us out there and he's got a, he's got a hand on the seat and we're just like, no, 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 I got this. You say, well, well, pastor, that's a really childish illustration. I'm a grown person and I don't need that. Oh, no. No, no, no. What about your busy little self? You're about to face bankruptcy and you would love for somebody to come along and pay you out, but you don't want their financial advice. Right? You just want somebody to save the day. You don't want them to help you get better. You just want them to fix it. But I want to tell you something. The sad reality is that many of us try to live our spiritual lives this way too. When we're scared and unsure and and we just want that assurance that God is right there with us, we get a sense of assurity, we get a sense of assurance and then suddenly we've just got it covered. We can make it on our own. We don't need to pray. We don't don't need to worship. We don't need to fellowship with the saints. We We don't need to be in the Word until we're face down again in our brokenness and we need God to come and scoop us up and brush us off until next time we crash again. And I've got to tell you, church, and just in full transparency, I mean, I am all too familiar with this process. I mean, that's why I can speak so fluently to you about it. Because I know what real life is like and I know, I know what real living is and I know that it's full of trials and tribulations and I know that the enemy will come and he'll try to find any way in, any little foothold that he can 
to tear us down and to destroy what God wants to do in our lives. And listen, Paul actually addressed this whole principle of, of a lack of reliance when he was speaking to the Galatian church. And I've got to read to you, I rarely do this, but I've got to read to you today from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase because I believe it is so near to the way that you and I would communicate with each other. And in the message, transla- the message paraphrase of the Bible, Galatians chapter 3, Paul is writing to a group of people who have turned from a reliance on Jesus and now they're trusting in their own flesh to produce the works of righteousness. And he says, you crazy Galatians. Did somebody put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Have you lost your mind? Something crazy has happened and it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Christ in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clear enough. Like you've understood the principles of the gospel. Why are you doing this? You know that it's not of works lest any man should boast, but it's the grace of God that's a gift to us all that produces righteousness. Paul says, let me put the question to you. How did your new life begin? In other words, for you and I, did did we just one day get good enough? Did, Did we figure it out on our own? Or did we come to Jesus a broken, babbling mess in need of grace and mercy and unmerited favor that we we could never attain for ourselves? Was 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 it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what God has begun. If you you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose that you could perfect it? Listen, salvation is about relationship, right? We've all heard that before. Salvation is about relationship. I I don't deny that. There's there's a part of us that only thrives when we are in fellowship with God. In fact, fellowship is not only essential for our spirits to thrive, it's an absolute necessity for our spiritual survival. And this is why we often, so often find ourselves in need of revival rather than experienced a revived life on a continual basis is because we withdraw from fellowship and I want to be really really careful in saying what I'm about to say next because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say so lean in real close I know that there are times when the Lord moves in different ways in our lives I get that there are seasons of blessing and abundance seasons of testing and hardship I've lived them all Paul lived them all several others in Scripture lived them all as I'm sure that many of you have But I believe in large part that there are many of us who have grown up in a cycle of spiritual highs and spiritual lulls 
and where we vacillate between times of heightened emphasis as to what God wants to do in our lives and a sensitivity to the Spirit. And then there are times on the other end of the spectrum where we're just simply not attuned or interested in what God is doing and what God's saying, and we're really not paying attention. And suddenly we realize that we're not at the best place, and we begin to call out to God for revival and restoration. We say things like, we need a move of God. But often it's not God who has moved away. It's us. We're, we're not the ones, we're the ones who, we are the ones who ask God to take his hands off our bike as we pedaled it off in the sunset. We're the ones who drifted into complacency. We're the ones who gave place to sinful tendencies. We're the ones who positioned ourselves to be vulnerable to the attacks of the adversary. And, and we've become accustomed to this as a legitimate lifestyle and means of survival but I don't think that that's I don't I don't believe that that spiritual spiritual euphoria all the way to spiritual disparity only to come back to spiritual euphoria to experience a disparity to come back up to a high and a depth of low over and over and over as a repeated cycle in your Christian life is what Jesus had in mind when he said I have come that they might have life and have it to the full now I'm preaching better than you're responding right now but I, I trust you're just taking it in but I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind for us. And the lesson is evident in, in David's prayer that he had realized, hey God, I've tried this in my own strength. I've tried this in my own strength. I realized that, that that's where I messed up. And let me, let me just challenge you with this church. If you're, if you're living in a cycle repeatedly of getting up and falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and falling down, I'm just challenging you today to examine yourself and see are there places in your life where you are crying out for God to take his hands off your bicycle because you've got it yourself and you can run into that tree just fine all alone. The life of faith is about relationship, but it's also about reliance. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I ever dreamed. It's a hard lesson. It's a humbling lesson. Oh, it'll, it'll take all the wind out of your sail as a human being. <laughs> it'll make you realize just how weak and powerless you are against the things that come against your life. But the life of faith is not just about relationship. It's also, see, I've got relationship with a lot of you, but I'm not necessarily reliant upon you. To varying depths and degrees, I am, yes, we are interconnected and there's a reliance that's there, but not, not in the way that I'm trusting you to provide for me, not in the way that I'm trusting you to guide me through all of life's narrow way. I'm, I'm, I'm not reliant on you in that way, and you've got people in your life the same way. And if you're reliant on anybody in this life, you ought to be reliant on God. If anybody, if everybody else forsakes you and walks away, 
You need to live reliant on the power of God. See, in the verses prior to Paul saying these things to the Galatian churches, Paul lets them know, you know, why the lessons that he's learned in life. And the lessons that he's learned in life, Galatians chapter 2, we read in verse 20. And Paul says this, listen guys, I'm, I'm just challenging you here because I, I've been crucified with Christ. I've learned this lesson the hard way. We, we find that out in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says, in beginning in verse 15, that the, I really don't understand myself. For, for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So, I'm not the one doing wrong, it's the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I really the one doing wrong? It's the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, Paul says, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me also a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? And then Paul has this resolve. Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But the answer is not in my ability to overcome. My, my answer is in the reliance that I have in Christ Jesus. Now back up to Galatians chapter 2. And we read Paul saying these words. For I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. We've got to live reliant on Jesus. Not in the strength of our flesh. We can't do it. You can't do it. Let me... Can I, can I just liberate you here this morning? Can I just set you free today? Say, you, you've, I know you've messed up. I messed up. Everybody, we've all done it. We, we just get up and we make all these decrees and what we're going to do and how we're going to be. And within 24-hour period, we blow it. Why? Because the strength is not resident in us to start with. We start a relationship with God through Jesus, but we don't live in a reliance on God. And until we do, we're never going to experience that full life. We're never going to experience that revived life. Now, I want to invite you to stand all over, this, all over this place because I've got a word for you this morning, and I really want to encourage you with it. 
because I believe there may be somebody who's here in the house today or maybe somebody who's watching online and you need to hear this word because the first initial thing that stuck out to me before the Lord rerouted this entire message into me dragging a bicycle around on the platform was this. The good news for you and I is that how you start how you start does not dictate where you end up. David said, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. I know that I'm broken. I know that at the core of me, I've got a sinful nature that when left unattended, leads me to places and things that I have no business. But I know that God has better things for me and I need him to help me live a full life that he has in store for me. So where you start doesn't necessarily dictate where you end up. And furthermore than that, where you are right now doesn't necessarily dictate where you'll end up. Because the thing that has hindered you in your lifetime can be broken. The plateau that you've reached can be surpassed. And you can go higher in Christ Jesus. This is our reality as well, just like it was for the writer of the psalm here, just like it was for Paul. It's not just about relationship, it's also about reliance. And we live, as we live with the recognition that not only have we sinned, but like Jacob, we're going to walk through this life with a limp. And we can't walk the way we need to walk without a full and complete reliance on Jesus Christ to guide us and to lead us. We've got to live dependent on Him. Amen? Amen. I want to invite you, every head bowed, every eye closed, over this place today and just say, Pastor, I've heard the word of the Lord today. There's been a witness in my spirit and I know that today is the day of salvation for me. I've lived defeated long enough, I've lived discouraged, I've lived with guilt and shame every day that I need to, that I intend to, and today I want to start a new relationship with Jesus Christ and walk in a new reliance on Him. If that's you and you want us to pray with you today and believe God for your salvation, would you just slip a hand up wherever you are? We want to, we want to pray and trust God with you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Those of you that are watching online, the same thing today we want to invite you to pray with us if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior we want to invite you to pray with us today and believe God for your salvation if you do that if you pray that prayer with us in just a few minutes we want you to jump on our website at faith-assembly.org and fill out the testimony card that's there and let us rejoice and celebrate with you and let our pastoral team follow up with you we would love to get an opportunity to meet you and rejoice with you but maybe you're here today and you'd say Pastor Steve I need prayer because I've, I just, I, I know what that cycle's like. I've, I've hit that pothole too many times. I've called out to God with the skin knees and he's there and he, he's attentive to the cry of his people, but sometimes we're just unnecessarily harmed. Let's be honest. We're, we're facing hardships that's the fruit of our own ignorance or, or just reluctance to draw close to the Lord and live relying on him. 
So today our team's going to lead us, and as they lead us in worship right now, I want to invite those of you that if you want to, if you would love it, if you would like to, Pastor Lisa and I would love to pray with you and just believe God for salvation. But if you're here today and, and you say, Pastor, I just need to lay some things on the altar, and there's some areas that I need a greater reliance on the strength and the arm of the Lord, we want to we invite you to come. This is a judgment-free zone. If you've got nothing better to do right now than try to figure out why somebody else is approaching the altar, you can be dismissed. Go home. That's not what this is about. This is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. We want to invite you to come today. Would you, would you just do that? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.